What's up, everybody? This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast, and I'm Joe Longo. Each week I get together with some inspiring and, you guessed it, creative people to have conversations about their process and what got them to where they are and the highs and lows, you know, with the hopes that it, it inspires you really to do anything, whatever it is that you want to do, just do something, have fun, enjoy life. Hopefully this, you know, podcast doesn't necessarily inspire you to quit your job, but I hope that it inspires you just to enjoy life. So this week I'm talking with Ben Runyon. Ben is a Philadelphia musician, singer, songwriter, producer. He scores commercials. He's a teacher um, at a couple of the universities in, in the Philadelphia area. And most recently he has brought his band City Rain out of hiatus and is creating some new music and will hopefully be playing some live shows sometime soon. Um, so enjoy the episode. We talk about all kinds of fun things from the creative process to where the songs come from to needing to be on stage. It's a good one. I enjoy this episode. Uh, but before we go there, let me tell you about what I'm doing in case you want to come practice some yoga with me. On October 13th from 1230 to 2.30, I'm at Yoga House and Wellness Center at Royal Fitness. And I'm teaching a kundalini workshop that I call Creatively Manifesting Your Life, where we set intentions. I know it sounds very woo-woo. We set intentions for the life that we, that we want to live. We do kundalini meditations and kriyas to bring abundance into our lives, to allow ourselves to stop telling the stories that we make up in our head so we can truly start living the life that we've been put on this planet to live. And I totally keep hitting my, my table because I'm talking with my hands. Um, October 20th, I'm doing a fall mini portrait session right here in Roxborough in the, by the Wissahickon Creek, very close to my house. Sessions are 30 minutes. You get five high res, totally kick-ass images and it can be anything from yoga to fitness to families or your pet really whatever you want to come and have photographed for 30 minutes come on down all of the links are on my website for all of these fun events and then going way 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 into the future november 9th i am going to be doing another kundalini workshop at sit meditation space that information is on the SIT website. We sold out last time. I would suggest grabbing your tickets. It's a tight space. We can only fit about 15 to 16 mats. So if you want to come, I would say scoop that up. And this weekend, if you're looking for something to do, Yoga Brain, who was our guest last week, is having their grand opening. Friday night, there's a little little party, little grand opening celebration. And then Saturday and Sunday, there are free classes in the morning. Sunday from 1030 to 1130, I'll be teaching a Kundalini class with live music. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, after all of my rambling, we will get into the episode. Doing it. I'm doing it. Keep, We're doing it. Keep on doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll just jump right in. What's sure. up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. And my guest today is Ben Runyon. Am I saying that right? Runyon? Runyon is right. Runyon you got is it. right. Yeah. And Ben is a producer, a composer, an educator, a 
amazing guy. I've known Ben for a couple of years, yeah. way back. Yeah. And I'm so happy to say, first album cover I ever photographed. Yeah. Um, self-titled. Self-titled, yeah. City Rain. Yeah. And it was very limited. It was, release. and I wish it wasn't, because that was that was kind of at the uh, uh, behest of a publicist at the time, and, and I, I really don't think it was good advice. He didn't want me to release such a large album and kind of wanted a more condensed single mm-hmm. format. I really wish I hadn't listened to it, because yeah. I, that record holds such a special place in my heart. Yeah. and Such a good record, there, too. And the pictures that we took together really represented a, a, a time in my life and a, and a, and a mental and spiritual uh, turning point mm-hmm. in my life. It really kind of... Uh, it was it was a very um, pressing time. Yeah. And along with that, not only was it the first cover yeah. that I photographed, it was also the first nude yeah, that technically. I photographed. Because you were like, oh, man. I'm just going to take my clothes off right here on the, in the middle of the street, and you know middle what? of the parkway. It's, it's so funny because it's like now as a, now as a teacher, I have to, uh, to, to temper, temper that to not too much. I mean, you know, I'm not locked down at anywhere that I teach. And right. they don't, I've never been told to tone it down. But at the same time, I kind of have to be very careful about what right. I share about myself and, mm-hmm. and, and what I don't. And it wasn't like it was a crude. No, mood. it was artistic it was, right. and rebellious and, uh, and, and fun and, and tasteful and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, what I was, what year was that? 2011. So I yeah. was 24, 20, you know, it was kind of a, a coming of age kind of, I exist kind of photo. Mm-hmm. It was great. <laughs> it know? going way back. Like I, that's the, like the beginning of my career. Pretty yeah. much. I just, quit my job to start doing all this stuff. Yeah. And, um, I remember the first time I saw you perform. Yeah, probably at, North, uh, Star? North Star. Yeah, would, opening yeah, up would've, for would've been. Uh, what was that band? The yeah. singer, a yeah. girl singer. Oh, East Hundred. East Hundred. Yeah, Barrel. Yes, mm-hmm. Barrel. Yeah. She was they were great. Yeah. The 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 brothers went on um, to, they're doing some very important scoring work oh, really? in film um, mm. with big, bigger films like mm-hmm. Liam Neeson and stuff in it. Oh, wow. So they, they do very, very uh, prescient work. And uh, they've had me in and kind of showed me some of the stuff they've done. They've, they've inspired me a little bit with some of the work I do with, uh, or at least attempt to do with commercials. <laughs> right, right. They were, they were great. But I remember because you were opening and I would always go early. I was going through like that was like kind of my therapy at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I was shows. sad. And I was just like, I'm just gonna go to shows yeah. with my camera and just yeah, whatever. And I remember walking in and you went up on that weird stage at the North Star. Yeah. And you had on like these green long john yeah. things. Oh, it was the, no, no the, it was a green Converse and the blue long blue, john yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there was like, yeah. that combo. And I'm uh, like, well, this is interesting. And then yeah. you start, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is good. Yeah. This is good shit. Yeah. I mean, for me at the time, that I mean, all music performance is therapy of some kind mm-hmm. for sure. But I, I was performing to live at that point and not from a financial standpoint mm-hmm. from a mental standpoint right. like my life at that time was so confusing and dark that uh getting on that stage was the only thing that made me feel good mm-hmm. at the time i had i had to be performing right um and so that getting on there and just being weird was just <laughs> you know and it's funny because you know at, at, at an age where it was still appropriate to be weird not, right. not that you can't be you know 31 or 35 or 40 and get on stage if you have enough fans anything is right pretty much cosigned mm-hmm. right, as far right. as stage performance is concerned but uh yeah that was uh i look back on that and that was you know very much like a, a it was a rock and roll time, mm-hmm. you know? It, and it was a great time, I think, yeah. in... And I feel like I've got older, so I stopped going. Yeah. But at that point, the 
Philly music scene was it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was really a lot of fun, it, at least it, for me. It, 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 it was, and you know, I I don't know how much authority I have on it anymore because it's not like I go out to shows a whole Same. time. Same, <laughs> uh, you know, and when I do, it's like you know a, a quote unquote bigger band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, it seemed like there was so much diversity in terms of like the types of sounds. Like there was indie rock, and then we were doing this like electric rock thing, and then there was like hip hop and punk, and there was just all this weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I feel like it's a little more homogenous now than it used to be in terms of like sounds. It's like everybody wants to do the indie new wave pop thing, mm-hmm. um, and of course I was doing it first, right? <laughs> um, no, but it's there was like it seemed like people were really experimenting mm-hmm. with uh, and not being kind of um, um, edged into a specific genre at the time, right. or maybe that's just my rose-colored glasses. Do you, <laughs> do you think because even though it wasn't that long, it was only yeah. like seven, eight yeah. years ago? Yeah, do you think? That may have been because of just the technology. I think I think it was definitely because uh, you know I got into the music technology thing in around 2005, and this was just when um, it was affordable to get gear on your computer or a MIDI keyboard and plug in and just do all of it mm-hmm. on a computer, you know. Um, but now it's ten times more affordable, and the knowledge base and YouTube and being able to go on YouTube and just look up stuff is yeah. way bigger than it's ever been. And so now I think it's easier than ever for anyone to make music. And I and I don't say that as a pejorative thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever people have accessibility to create at any level is, is, is a positive thing for the world. Uh, but at the time, you really kind of had to want to learn how mm-hmm. to do it. And so I think that that kind of uh, really influenced uh, people's creativity at the time in terms of like, you know, but maybe you're right. Maybe that maybe the playing field wasn't as level in terms of you know the the accessibility um, to to the gear, or it just wasn't like something that was, you know, DJ culture hadn't really become mm-hmm. that popular in the U.S. It was like right when EDM started to happen. Yeah, you know. So before that, it's funny. Like it's so normal now to like electronic music, but before that time, like 2011, 2010, in these states, like. You know, growing up, it was not cool to be the guy at school that liked electronic music. No. Like it was hip hop or like punk, you know, like punk rock mm-hmm. uh, or uh, pop punk. Like it was, you were you were the nerdy techno guy. Just people called anything electronic techno at that right. time. Um, so yeah, uh, it was a, a lot of music technology stuff changing at the time, which ironically is now kind of what I'm teaching at mm-hmm. a university level. Uh, so know. let's we'll probably jump around this yep. whole this whole episode. I'm sure. So if you're listening, <laughs> I apologize, but I don't. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So how did you get into teaching? Like, where did this? Sure. Um, so part of it um, started when uh, working for for Apple, mm-hmm. um, and they had a position there that was basically kind of a, a teacher in, and kind of an in store teacher teaching classes about you know music production or you know simple as to like how to check your email and all all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. which. Um, you know, attracted a wide range of people in terms of age and demographic. Um, but that I had an experience where we went, I went out to the headquarters, uh, you know, of the company and, and, and got some training basically on how, how to teach mm-hmm. people. Um, and that was pretty unreal for me because I, I didn't ever, that's not something that ever crossed my mind. I never grew up with that. I want to be a teacher. I want to get up in front of classes and, explain things to people. It just wasn't even anywhere. I'm a very introverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I just never thought I would do that. But, the, you know, the kind of the interesting part about it is, you know, now that I'm not performing as much, although I'm, I'm getting back into it now, hopefully, um, 
it kind of became the extension of performance and, mm-hmm. and kind of filled in that void for me in yeah. terms of you know having a group of people to listen to what right. I have to say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which you I, know I feel the same way. Yeah. Like if I'm teaching yeah. a yoga class yeah. like way back in the early nineties yeah. when, when I would sing in a really bad band. It's yeah. Like that same It's the same it's like, thing. Oh, I have still, I have an audience. Right. And you know what? I, I you know, no shame. I, I need that energy and I enjoy that energy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have something to say. You know, people want to be listened to. I don't think that's pretty natural. Uh, But long story short, uh, I got into that um, and then I thought I wanted to kind of expand my opportunities. Um, So I went part-time there and I followed a lead to a school, um, not a collegiate school, but a production school that is now defunct called Dubspot in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it was always a dream to to work there. And speaking of YouTube, they were kind of one of the first um, schools that had a YouTube channel where the major part of their content and pulling in uh, a student body was their content on mm-hmm. uh, YouTube and their tutorials and kind of all the tutorials since then, even the ones I've made are more or less kind of in the vein of a dub spot. They kind of started it. And I got a, I got a tip there. And then I got a tip to work at this other school in New York called the Fox Grove, which I'm not sure if that still exists or not. Um, but long story short, the, my boss at the Fox Grove knew a representative for the company Ableton, which is a software I use mm-hmm. uh, to 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 make music, and he knew about an open position at Drexel. And when I went in there, uh, it was kind of just like, "Well, can you do it? You know, <laughs> like, do you want to do this or not?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, let's do it." Mm-hmm. And that my relationship with the students um, is very interesting because it's part elder and it's part peer mm-hmm. uh and so it's kind of like a it's kind of a cool age where i'm you know i'm still cool right uh but i'm also you know in, in charge mm-hmm. uh, and i'm also leading uh people and giving them advice about life or or music or art and things like that um and it's an incredibly important energy uh, for me it gives me purpose mm-hmm. uh, you know as much as music ever, you know has obviously it's completely intertwined with that but i I need I need the teaching. I mm-hmm. love it. You know, I would I, I would do it. Uh, you know, well, I don't want to say for half the money, but I, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't. But I, I, you know, I, I, it's like it's like air. It's like oxygen to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really is the yeah. a special feeling. Like I was a IT director at DeVry University. And I did I, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right when we met, I was I just left. Yeah. And um, I had a group of student workers. Yeah. And they, 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 they were the best part of the job. Yeah. You know, because it was like these young minds. Energy. Yeah. yeah. And they were all so smart. Positive, probably, right. too. And they would just want it. <laughs> you know, they just wanted to learn. Yeah. And do Sponges. it. And that's like, yeah. the, like the, the thing that I miss most of actually yeah. being in that world. Yeah. Was like having those, right. those young minds to maybe well, influence so it, and mold. <laughs> spe- speaking of young minds, uh, I mean, you know, every young generation has, uh, you know, like this kind of punk aesthetic to them that like, you know screw the authority and this, that, and the other. But uh, Gen Z is especially nihilistic. Mm-hmm. They're a really interesting generation. Yeah. You know, they've grown up with all these, like, memes and, and uh, you know, social media in the way that that you didn't and, and, and I didn't really either. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's very interesting. They're, like, nihilistic, but at the same time have this, like, really dark but, like, healthy sense of humor about life. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they have... they they had like this kind of make or break kind of moment where they realized what life was all about. I don't think they've ever had any misgivings about it. Right. I think they've kind of known from a young age, you know, that like bad things happen, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh, and, and the I world hate to scared. say it this way, yeah. but it's, it's maybe that's like a bad good thing. Things had been happening right. their whole life. Right. Right. You know, like 
I think now, and I just heard the stat, and it's crazy yeah. that the United States has only not been at war for 23 years of our existence. It is, right, existence, yeah, human and, existence. Which right, is right. mind-blowing sure. to think. But then when I look back at growing up, like, I mean, we had silly drills like the Russians are going. Yeah, to, right, you know right. I mean? We're going like, to get, get under nuked. The, or, but it wasn't yeah. like there was really, I never felt like there was like conflict or no. really things happening like now. But yeah. of course, there really wasn't 24-hour no. news and the internet. No. was just like, here's all the bad shit coming right. at you. Where I think they were just born into it, like yeah, yeah. shit happened. Yeah, they're it just like yeah, really this is shit. it. Yeah, it's and, it's strange. Mm-hmm. It's strange, and it's like it kind of makes you think about it. It's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right way to put it, but like, what right did we have to not be exposed to that? Like, what's like, you know, when other people are suffering in the world, and God, you know, I hate even going down this rabbit hole, but when other people are suffering in the world, it's like, well, what right do we have to be completely insulated from it? Is it a positive thing mm-hmm. or is it maladaptive to mental health, you know, or is it the inverse that all sh- people should be protected, you know? Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's very interesting to think about. They have very different opinions and understandings of scary things at a younger age than, than, than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's better for their adaption into into the real world. And maybe it won't be such a smack in the face when right. they have to take care of themselves and stuff like that. These are the things I think about a lot mm-hmm. as, as a teacher now. When there's this, yeah. like that, with that thought, like there was just a story on the news, uh, a mother was possibly getting in trouble <laughs> for letting her six-year-old daughter walk the dog I saw that. around the I, I saw that exact same article. And I'm like, when I was six, I'm pretty sure I was like hopping on my bicycle and just right. going. Yeah. The sun came up, yeah. I was away, right. and I was out the door. Yeah, and your parents are like, please don't die. Right, and, yeah. and be back for dinner. <laughs> be don't back be for late. Dinner. But it was also like, don't come home before dinner either. Yeah, yeah, you because know, like, we need time yeah. away from you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and now, it, it, like I saw that, and I'm like, that's kind of crazy. Right. You know, the world, I mean, sure, it's fucked up. But I don't think it's as bad either. You know? No. It's an amazing time to be alive because of all of this technology. It's an insane time to be alive. You ever think about that? But I don't think you need to be like, I think it's almost over. No. You know, like, oh, it's so bad. You can't it's, walk it around seems, the block. To me, it kind of seems like maybe a maybe baby boomer or Gen X kind of revolt against what they see as like maybe a, some sort of innocence slipping away. Mm-hmm. Kind of what I was talking about. You know, maybe it's hard for them to let go of the concept that it's like we have to prepare our sons and daughters and, and, and children for a, for a future that, you know, if you shelter them from this, then they won't be prepared and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be these hapless, you know, just inundated with anxiety and unable to cope, you know, right. versus like letting them see this stuff. But it's like, you know, the question is like, well, what, what percentage of letting them deal with this is making them stronger and what percentage of it is making them weaker. But it's like, like letting a kid walk a dog. It's like, all right, all right come on now. Right. You know? Especially like in your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I remember literally I would ride my bicycle. The dog would probably keep them safe. Right. Yeah. Um, I would ride my bicycle around, literally just around my block. Yeah. You know, the big giant circle. Right. And one day I remember my chain snapped and I was going down the street and I slammed into the side of the car that was at the right. stop sign. Yeah. I didn't get hit by the car. No, I you, hit car. you hit the car. And everyone yeah. was fine. Yeah. But I think like if that would have happened yeah. today to someone, most likely that poor person that was stopped at the stop sign yeah. Yeah. that I ran into right. would probably get sued. Not that I would... You know would what get I mean? sued, and, and then they'd be freaked out that their life is going to get ruined, right. and maybe you're going to ruin their life or not. But you know, uh, and I just kind of got think. up and laughed, and was right? Like my chains snapped, yeah. and then like pushed my bike back yeah. to my house with my head down, yeah. all embarrassed. Everybody's Superman when they're in a car, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's just I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, yeah. 
We'll digress. I, yeah, I digress. We'll, we'll, di- yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll digress. Um, so just the process. Process. Just, just process. process. Just process. That's you just making the music? Yeah. It's, you know, the, 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 the point of that was to be kind of a calling card to work with other artists. And mm-hmm. that's worked so far. So I don't even really anticipate releasing much under that name itself as much as that's kind of my alter ego when I'm writing for other people. Mm-hmm. So right now, for instance, I have a, a songwriting partner. Uh, her name is Selena Garcia. And basically she writes the songs and I produce them to a, you know, a modern standard. And, and, and our aim is uh, we, we shop them to record execs and say, can you use this for a Rihanna, for a Kesha, for whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so far, you know, we haven't had uh, you know, anything break through yet. But mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that we just keep at and we keep at and we keep at. I, you know, the older I've gotten and, you know, I am kind of bringing the City Rain thing back as far as a live performance and a band entity is concerned. The older I get, the more I go back to what I did when I started making music, which is I'm a studio rat and I love the process, just the process, right? Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. I, I, I love, I love creating with people. I love collaborating with people. Uh, and, you know, what I found in kind of making music by myself for the you know, year and a half, two years after I kind of uh, put City Rain on hiatus was that I missed working with people. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what I always say to people is you're, you're only capable of doing what you're capable of doing, right? Everybody has some sort of ceiling that is like, you know, all things aside, the best possible outcome for you is to be this. Mm-hmm. And, and the worst possible outcome for you is to be this. Um, so you, you, you're limited. All people have limits. And, and I don't mean that in a pejorative, a pejorative sense. It's just you have, you, you know, a uniqueness about you and strengths and weaknesses and so on and so forth. Um, and the same is true for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So when you combine, you know, your strengths and weaknesses with somebody else's strengths and weaknesses, you can come up with some pretty wild stuff that wouldn't be possible with just one or the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's so exciting about creation is that when you get together with someone um, you know, you can kind of go to a place that you wouldn't be able to alone. So, you know, the, the, the sum is greater than the parts. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really exciting about creativity. And that's never gotten really less exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Like, yeah. I mean, I love just going and creating. But I, I say to so many people, mm-hmm. like, I've been doing it alone right. in a way. Right. But I just want, like, a team of people around me to be like, yeah. let's just go make something awesome. Right. And just to, yeah. you know, get yeah. in that creative flow and feed off of, others creativity right. it's it's as as a as a as a video i once interview i watched with brian eno famous producer for u2 talking heads you know mm-hmm. started really the ambient music genre um, general music thinker he said i've only ever had really one idea and i've been just doing it in a million different ways you know mm. it's like you really are just one idea and, uh-huh. you know that's what you are but you know you try to do it in a million different ways but you know, when you take somebody else's one idea uh, and you combine it with yours, that's when that's when the magic the magic happens. <laughs> happens. Uh, happens. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, City Rain is yeah. coming back. Yeah, and not you know, not in the form that it ever was. You know? Right. This is the you know maybe the but another, fourth or fifth different iteration of it. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Um, which is great. And you said earlier that the first band practice is tonight. Yeah, first band practice is tonight. So um, it consists of my, uh, my best friend and one of my best men for my wedding, uh, Matt Rivard. Uh, he's uh, studying to be a physician's assistant right now. So super, super smart dude, you mm-hmm. know, uh, studied neurology, all sorts of stuff. Um, so uh, he's part of it. He's a guitarist. 
Um, his girlfriend, Amanda, does the backup vocals. Um, and she has a band herself uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Incredible kind of like soul singer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a really great addition on stage. And then uh, one of my former students who's now graduated, Gabby Relos. And uh, she's a guitarist as well. And she's got her own band called Afloat, which is kind of this like cool, sad girl, punk rock kind of outfit mm-hmm. uh, that's really, really, really cool and really edgy. So um, it's exciting. This is the biggest the band's ever been. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. typically it was like you and yeah. one other person, yeah. maybe, but, maybe two. <laughs> right. And as someone who's not very open to doing things differently and has a very specific way of doing things, um, What's cool about it is they all have other things going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes, maybe maybe not mistakes, but uh, in a corporate sense, I fail to set expectations correctly. Uh, with other people, you know, you know, City Rain's my project. It always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, when you have a partner that that's also the only thing you're working on, there's bound for something uncomfortable to happen Mm -hmm. and so they all have their other bands and things going on so it's just a a fun thing for us and and we all kind of understand you know what's going on with it and and you know it's like we all know what we're there for and it we're Mm -hmm. just they're there to jam and have a good time and i'm there to kind of get out that release that i need with with the music so um we did perform a few months ago on radio Mm 104.5 so like our first my first live performance in two years was live on the radio (laughs) that's awesome you know uh, you know five hundred thousand million people in the greater philadelphia area and it's like as as they were counting down to it kind of uh, coming on air, I was like, wow, what am I doing? But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. so great you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, to yeah. be in yeah. that, you know, yeah. it, I think it's it's a something that you should look at as like a huge accomplishment. Yeah, to be yeah. Like, you know, I've, I've went on hiatus with this band. Right. And now we're back. Here's some great songs. Right. And not like it's not like we're just playing at the North Star. We're playing right. like we're yeah. you know, here it is for all and, of Philadelphia. And that's here. a product of the relationships that I built over the mm-hmm. year and, and kind of maintained with uh, you know different people in the um in the music scene. But it's funny speaking about coming out of hiatus. Um I for years had a relationship with a very specific music journalist in Philadelphia um for a prominent radio station and festival that I've played and read between the lines there. Mm-hmm. Um when I kind of you know started showing him the music that I was making you know over and over and over, he's just like, "I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling." It. No problem. Mm-hmm. I've been told that a million times in my life. That doesn't bother me even kind of, right. except when my wife says it, then it bothers me. <laughs> um, um, but he's just like, "Yeah, I don't understand the thing with you going on hiatus and coming back." I just like basically like I don't take it seriously, mm. and I just thought, what an odd point of view to have about something. And clearly, I'm still butthurt about it. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's like. As someone who writes about and supposedly understands artists, that's the essence of being an artist is yeah. destroying yourself and recreating anew in the ashes of what mm-hmm. was. What could be possibly be more artistic than that? Right. And I just thought, what an what a weird take on that. And uh, that kind of that kind of bothered me. But you know, at the same time, I've got all these other people supporting me and listening to the new music and giving me this great feedback about it. And it's like I just did what I thought was true to myself mm-hmm. with this stuff, and that's right. all I can do and can control. Uh-huh. Um, but it's interesting when you kind of have someone that's kind of followed your career for a little bit, basically kind of fall off. It's like you know, in life, you go through losing relationships and marriages and friendships, and sometimes two business relationships and even kind of relationships with people that you kind of look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of you kind of realize you can't put people on the pedestal right. when when they, you're giving them that power and, mm-hmm. and you're letting them be there and you're you're giving them uh, free rent 
right in your brain mm-hmm. i know i feel that happens a lot in the yoga world yeah people kind of do that with a teacher like they right. kind of give this and then all right. of a sudden the, the the teacher is a human right and right. then there's like this yeah. fallout they don't because, compliment them the right way right. or they and, don't yeah. you know say you're doing a great job or you you know whatever and that's like you know you've allowed them to crush your whole world mm-hmm. because you put them typically right. like we are the ones that put that person on the pedestal right. when really they're just like and in the same us. way i'm very cognizant of that when i'm teaching mm-hmm. um, and being very careful about the language i use with students when you know when it's on a certain project and this that and the other i mean there's a balance of being firm and direct and there's also like you know reinforcing positive feedback with constructive feedback Mm -hmm. you know you get people are very very fragile yes yes. yeah (laughs) Uh, and 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 i'm no different i'm as fragile as they come i mean that's why i'm an artist Mm -hmm. uh and you know as someone that in school and in learning was always very, very sensitive if I got called out in class in front of people or something. I'm always make sure never to do that. And especially I'm very, very cognizant of it if, if peers are doing it to one another. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to another thing. Um, you know what I've noticed about this generation of, of students? And, you know, and there's probably a possibility that some of it I'm not seeing, and I know some of it's online, but they, they don't bully in exactly the same ways that, mm-hmm. that maybe we were bullied or people bullied you know, in, in our time. Um, you know, especially with like LGBT stuff, you know, when I was school, you know, getting bullied for being gay was like, you know, or being bisexual or whatever, like that was like the big thing. And now it seems almost unconscionable that anyone would do that, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Right. It's great, but it's just amazing that even in five, 10 years, the movement from, uh, how the level of sensitivity that people have to people that are different than them, mm-hmm. you know, is great. Uh, there's still work that needs to be done. I do still see some of that type of stuff. Right. But it's amazing at like, you know, I'll ask people like, you know, did, did you get bullied in high school? And, you know, people that I might think, you know, a little nerdy or maybe a little different and thought, mm-hmm. you know, I was too and I got bullied. And they'll be like, yeah, no, not really. That didn't really happen that much. And hmm. yeah, people That's are kind of over that. But do you think that there's more like, in secret bullying happening yeah, online totally. because of that like with the online I'm safe yeah. over here like there's this yeah digital boundary it, between us so i can kind of say whatever i want right it could be a deeper more subversive mm-hmm. um kind of thing um but it's, it was very it's very interesting you know kids are are different yeah i mean it's great because and they're different with you know because i went to point to my phone but it's yeah, over there yeah because of that you right know? like it's it it I was, I don't know if you watch the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I do from time to time. Elon Musk was just on. And as someone said, he's kind of Oprah for men. He is. He is. <laughs> he's like Oprah for, for like, I hate yeah. to say it this way, but for like yeah. the dude, like the bro. Yeah, the dude bro. Yeah. But it's like he's, yeah. he's, he, I love it because he's like changing the concept. Of, yeah. You know, like you can be a bro and be like, like have feelings and oh, actually I watched express. his his episode on depression with I think it was Adam Carolla mm-hmm. or someone uh, and it was incredibly uh, I really resonated me mm-hmm. it really resonated with me so the Elon Musk although when Elon Musk was on at the end they like smoked a joint <laughs> but they really didn't smoke like he didn't inhale yeah, but yeah, you yeah, know like Elon freaked was, out the stock dipped yeah yeah, yeah. But it was like if you watched it you can see like he just yeah, yeah there's right, no yeah. inhaling yeah. happening right but you know Elon was just talking about like how like we're already cyborgs right we just don't Acknowledge that our phone is right. acting as it may not be brain. inside of us, right? But, but it might as right well there. it might as well be. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. that, that that has changed the the younger generation sure. as well. That it's like, in a way, they're so much smarter yeah. than we were because everything is right at their smarter, fingers. but 
but but weaker in yeah. a way too with mm-hmm. the, at the behest of the phone. Right. I make fun of them all the time. Good natured, of course. And I'm gonna be like, mm-hmm. this. I'm like, all this is what you are. Just you. You can't get out of this trap. You're just you're in here, and it's like. You know, it's like Pavlov's dog. You put it over here and it's like you sweat mm-hmm. because it's not near you. And I, I think I even remember a time when that began to happen to me. Mm-hmm. When I remember like, you know, the ding or the the, the, the vibration. You're like, you're Pavlov's dog. Right. There are times that I would think that I heard it. Like, yeah. I would think or I you heard it. feel the, like a phantom buzz yeah. in your pocket. And, and I'm like, like, I'm, I'm sick. Like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're just, you're just conditioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's funny because you know a lot of the new softwares on phones, on Android and, and iOS and all that stuff are are making features, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of help you understand how you use phones, right? You know, and I think companies are now being forced, you know, by the public to to implement these features because of this kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I don't know. We've we've slipped down the slope. You know, we're not going back. No, which is going to keep on going. Yeah, it's gonna which is fine. On. And I yeah. like from the get go, like I remember saying it's all how you use your tools you know like how are you going to use all of this technology right not to like make it easier but to uplift right make it better make it better yeah um so i'd love to chat about the creative process yeah how like how when you were saying that your your partner songwriter yeah will like write a song sure and then you yeah. So when you say write a song, like come to you with like words, music, sure. yes, the whole thing. So the so the so the the, the the physical statement I use with my students, and and they usually understand exactly what I mean when I use it out of context. It's, it's called the campfire test. Mm-hmm. And the campfire test is if you can have an acoustic guitar and your voice, does the song exist in a in a meaningful form that is interesting? Mm-hmm. And if it does, then you can go from there. You know, if you if it doesn't and you have to save it with production, then you don't really have a strong core of a song. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in this one song that is yet to be released and may never be released until we find an artist for it, which is kind of one of the other weird things about creating is that sometimes you create things and you keep them to yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a song called wet cigarettes and it's, uh, um, it's a really cool song and it's like very, the original style of it was kind of like, kind of almost like Western country Americana. But mm-hmm. what I turned it into was like almost like a modern trap pop kind of thing. That's, you know, super popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just came with just straight up chords. And more often than not, when I'm working, I'm being sent a file and I can work by myself and mm-hmm. be in my own little bubble of my own judgments. Uh-huh. But in this case, we actually sat in the studio with her and her manager and we sat there and ironed it out in kind of a songwriting camp kind mm-hmm. of style. So it actually started out with them peering over me in the studio writing stuff, which uh-huh. is kind of a new not necessarily a new experience, but I hadn't had that in a long time with mm-hmm. someone there just kind of watching me, which, you know, obviously if someone's watching you, you're bound to do something different than you would by yourself without free of any judgment. Right. Um, for better or worse. And, um, we sat down and we kind of ironed it out and, you know, just kind of the basis of it. And then I got the experience where I got to go home and say, give me a week, you know, in my own little brain mm-hmm. to kind of fool around with this. And then I came back for another session and we sat there and I basically demoed it for them. Uh-huh. And they're like, we love, like, love this. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool because, you know, when you have someone coaching you through it, that think again, that thinks a different way than you do. Mm-hmm. You come up with just you. You can. It's almost like a you know. I'm a huge NFL football fan, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge basketball fan. It's like everyone has a certain potential, and sometimes it takes a certain person or coach to kind of coach the best performance out of you mm-hmm. and push you and make you a little uncomfortable. And that's that's really important to have that person 
Yeah. For instance, even in music, um, you know, I do in commercials, um, for the, for the few things I've successfully had out there in a commercial, um, you know, it takes a great music supervisor, basically an in-between, between a client, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, myself that saying, you know what, this is cool, but I think you can do better. And you're like frustrated. Like, Damn it. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that this was good. And I wanted you to, to you know, pet my head like a dog and right, tell me I'm a right. good boy. And it's like, no, nope, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And they'll keep going and going and, and, and to the point where you're frustrated and you're like, I can't do any better than this. Uh-huh. And then they push you a little bit further and then you realize, damn, I created this. Right. I can't believe I can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've found that with uh, moving more into the video world. Yeah. That like doing the first cut of the video. Yeah. Like, I'll cut it together myself and yeah. then I'll get it. And you're feeling you know, good about it. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Right now that I, it, like it still needs work. Yeah. And then I'll get it to some people for feedback. And they've got like a 10 line specific feedback at 36 seconds. Right. We exactly. want this instead. And you're like, damn, I thought I did that. Cool. But okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then even like little things like, uh, this one guy that I've been working with, Andrew, he, he, and again, I've really taught myself a lot right. of this video yeah. editing stuff. And the first like round of cuts that he sent back to me was like, you know, you need to put a beat in there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Right, like, right. Like, just like music. Like yeah. sometimes you don't have to play the guitar all the time. Right, right, right. You know, right. Like, yeah. Let maybe it... there needs to be. And I didn't even like think about yeah. that in the like in the editing process. Yeah. I'm like, and just that one little suggestion yeah. made it so much better. Right. You know, just by adding sure. the space. But if I didn't have that, I would have you only known. think the way that you think. Yeah. Right. So it's it's it. Sometimes it's a challenge. It's like you get that message back, and it's like, oh my god, there's so many changes. Right. But and they're usually like a second each. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not a lot. Well, like when you sit just, there and you look at it, and it's ten points, you're like, wow, I really butchered this. Right. You know, and then, and then you really like, look at the feedback, and it's like, oh, it's very specific, pointed feedback. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, you can't be too hard on yourself. Right. And, and it's know. actually going to make the whole thing better, so much better. Right. Yeah. So when you're writing your own music, yes, do you typically come up with the lyrics first, melody first? Melody first, melody. usually. So I write two different ways, and I and uh, one is very pointed and purposeful, mm-hmm. and one is kind of a, a fit, you know, or a kind of just a you know a brain dump, mm-hmm. or a uh, just kind of something getting out of you, right? So like the city rain music is often the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often kind of this you know, train of thought I've been having subconsciously for some time that I'm not really able to communicate um, to myself or other people, let alone. And it kind of just comes out. So sometimes the music is letting me know stuff about myself that I don't even really think about super consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really important. And that, that, that music for me is usually the kind of music that really resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, you know, when I wrote The Optimist, you know, that, to this day, that's still the one, that's the song that I wrote that really had, that made a difference in people's lives. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and what's funny about it is, uh, speaking of writing, um, as I remembered the other day on 9-11, and I was just thinking about tragedy and tragedies that affected me growing mm-hmm. up, um, and I remembered Sandy Hook. And I remembered that when I wrote The Optimist, it was originally about Sandy Hook. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's actually when I first began writing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original lyric was, so I'm turning off the news today and waking up a different way, and not I'm turning off the storyline and falling back into the light, which is a, a Buddhist you know, mm-hmm. reference, and I think I was reading Alan Watts and some stuff at the time. Uh-huh. But it was originally about Sandy Hook. Wow. And I was so sad and so heartbroken um, and 
angry and upset that I remembered I, I, I just that, that was kind of a brain dump the next mm-hmm. day or something where I just sat down and that just kind of came up and, and the, the whole there's an optimist in me kind of thing mm-hmm. came up. So that kind of writing is 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 from a either a point of great pain or great joy. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like that great pain brought this beautiful song. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. this tragedy created yeah. such a yeah. beautiful yeah. piece of or, of yeah. music. Turning what is it? Turning poison into flowers. I think that's another Buddhist concept. You know, mm-hmm. something in that vein. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, and then and then I started to kind of tailor it over time to give it more of a a, a worldly view that everyone mm-hmm. could kind of connect with. Although I'm sure that lyric would have worked fine too. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of goes to your question in that the melody is almost more important to me, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the way that I wrote that song, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I could have almost put anything in there. Mm-hmm. And it still would have, you know, resonated with people. It's a plus that I tried to write something that was very purposeful. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the times, what I'm singing is just about the melody and I'm not even really saying anything at all. Mm-hmm. It's like the little dreamer song. Like, I love that song, uh-huh. but I'm kind of not really saying anything at all, <laughs> you know? And that's fine because that's like my biggest you know, influence in life is David Byrne, right? Uh-huh. It's not making sense, right? The, you know, the music <laughs> is a vehicle for sound. People aren't, aren't always listening to what you're saying so much as how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it depends. And then with the Selena Garcia type stuff and the, and the Just Process stuff and, you know, where I'm kind of writing for other artists or with other artists for some sort of purpose that's not just about me, um, it's very more uh, scholastic and uh, purposeful and thinking about chord progressions and structure. And how about if we flip the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, how about we go from a minor fifth here to a major this? Or, uh, you know, what if we do the inverse key of this and the relative key and all this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Like a very, you know, minutia and production terms and all this kind of stuff where I sit down and really iron this out. Because at the end of the day, music is a product of boundaries mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's only so many things you can do inside those boundaries to make what you're doing interesting and that's what's also so exciting about songwriting is you know you know generally speaking you know a radio song or a popular song is three minutes and 30 seconds and your job is to make something unique and interesting inside of that very specific confines mm-hmm. um, and so one of the things I often do when I'm teaching and, and I learned when I was going to teach people is um, strip things away from people and make them create instead of giving them more tools. Uh-huh. Because when you when you have to write with, with boundaries, um, whether that be technologically or otherwise, you, you're, you're going to be forced to be more creative. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's like last night. Uh, it's funny. I was trying to uh, listen to what my wife uh, was saying. or uh, No, I was trying to see something better on the television, and I turned down the volume. <laughs> right? You know, when you think about it, like, yeah. you know, initially, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, why, mm-hmm. did, why was that my first reaction? Well, it's like when you take away one sense, it sharpens the others. Mm-hmm. It's like what happens when you're driving and it rains out? You, you turn down the radio to mm-hmm. focus harder, right? And so it's like all about um, sharpening senses and, and kind of giving boundaries uh, to art. And I think that's when I write the best is when I'm, I'm the least free uh-huh. in a way, not mm-hmm. the most free. The, the, the goal of music is to get free, mm-hmm. you know? But to to get there, you, it's about not being free because right. you're trying to get out of something, a rut, a habit, a depression, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So for everyone listening, I reached out to Ben to be on this because he released Magic. Yeah. Is that the latest? That's the latest the one. The newest. Yeah, that's the newest The newest, newest, the newest yeah. song. Other stuff's in the work, but that's 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 the one out there. And I was walking Stella, my dog, in the woods, and it, it I 
I saw that you shared it. Yeah. Like I saw that it was coming. Yeah. And I, there's just something about your songwriting that it really it resonates with me. Like it all. Like I feel like there's so much of it that just I'm like oh I like that just it just it makes me feel something yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. But it does like it stirs up emotion in right. me. Right. And I saw that like you were working on something new, and it's been a little bit. Yeah. And it released. Still, I went for a walk, and it just like was. It's just such a great song. Oh, on, so, <laughs> on so many levels but it like made me feel good so the song is called magic I'll, maybe I'll, 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 I'll slip a little bit in, in, in into the, the editing of the, the podcast cast. here yeah. um, but it really like by the end of the song I felt like I was magic yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like I often wonder like like how is it like how how does that come to be yeah. and then I started thinking as, as me and Stella are walking I'm like is this about your wife yeah <laughs> because it feels like yeah. you know like there's this magic definitely but it's because of this like almost like love you know what i mean and like it has i just got this feeling like it was like i'm trying to be a better person because of whatever that might be it could be a girl yeah yeah, whatever like there was something motivating to be more magical yeah i mean again it's kind of the lightness and the 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 darkness thing i write from a point of great pain or 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 great um great joy and sometimes it's both mm-hmm. you know so for instance uh it, it was kind of a, a, about a multitude of things part of it was definitely about my wife and this new and then a little bit of wonderful like, i'm a teacher of, but and that <laughs> right and i even put that in there and i meant that very directly and and kind of more worldly uh but you know writing that song for me was also kind of coming from a point of weakness too and it's kind of like uh i don't know what i am anymore you know in terms of like you know i'm not out there performing every night i didn't become the rock star that I'm not ever sure I even wanted to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm pretty quite happy I'm not uh-huh. um, um, but like you know you, you think about the ego and the it it's like well what am I I'm a teacher I'm a you know I'm this I'm that the other does any does that matter any mm-hmm. of it right. there is no the you know it, there is no ego there's there's no constant there's there's death and rebirth constantly um, and it was kind of this like assuring message to myself it's like well whatever I put my mind to like I can do like I've proven that, you know, mm-hmm. time and time again, that I can pick myself up and, uh, you know, not just cower in fear. And mm-hmm. it's like I think I think a lot of people think about life as not being afraid, mm-hmm. um, and that's not realistic for any person. And I'm sure there are those few people like skydivers and stuff that really just maybe just don't feel fear, uh-huh. but that's not the majority <laughs> of the human experience, right. you know. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is kind of what, you know, I worry about with, with my students, you know, is, uh, you know, how fragile they are and how fragile people are. And, and uh, what, I, what I try to instill in them and what kind of comes out in the song is that, like, you're just going to get your ass kicked over and over and over again and over. That's just, that's just the facts. Mm-hmm. That's just the facts. And it's, it's sobering and it's scary and some days it consumes me. Um, and then... And then, and then I get tired of it uh-huh. and then it kind of pisses me off. And then I'm like, well, I'm not in control. So why do I keep fighting? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let go or be dragged. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be dragged. And so the only other option is to kind of let go. And, and in those brief times where I really am truly able to do that, which, you know, you know, admittedly can be rare, mm-hmm. um, is like when I'm like, you know what? I'm still Ben Runyon and I can still kick ass, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not going to let, you know, this, you know, just, you know, pull me down. I'm not going to do it. And I draw, and I draw on that power. 
Um, and I draw on the power of, of, you know, my ancestors, my grandfather, who's passed, who was in World War II, who fought the Nazis, who, uh, you know, was uh, called up for the Berlin air crisis, who was an officer during the Korean War and, to, you know, had to take out a loan to get groceries and never complained about it and raised, a, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a well-adjusted adult that had me, you know, mm -hmm. you know, he just powered through, you know, and yeah. that's, that's the magic. You know, that's the, that's the power. Uh, and that's, that's courage and mm -hmm. courage is what's, uh, what's important. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel like you've maybe ran out of courage and, yeah. uh, and then you find it in the weirdest places. So that's what magic was about to me. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I still got it. Yeah. You know, I still mm -hmm. got it now, now more than ever because right. it's a more refined magic mm -hmm. than it's ever been. And that is definitely, I'll definitely link the song yeah. in, in the show notes, but that's kind of like how I felt. Like I literally, yeah. by the end of the song, I yeah. felt like yeah. I can just like, yeah. take on the world right. and do whatever <laughs> it was. And I just didn't you yeah. know, care. And it was, like, yeah. I, I, I love it. And it's, it just seemed like there's like with the optimist and join the human race. Like there was just so many, like you're, you're a great songwriter. Oh, thank you. You're great. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been refined over, over the years and it's been, it's been a thrill kind of figuring out that I can do that because I did not grow up in bands. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up playing the guitar. I did not grow up playing the piano. I was, you know, the least musical person in my high school, but it was this kind of, uh, energy that had been waiting in there mm -hmm. for a while. And, and again, you know, again, with what I teach music technology is, is really what kind of allowed me to express that and mm -hmm. learn that I did have a gift. Right. Um, and so the medium really, really is the message there mm -hmm. and yeah. it really it, it honestly has been a joy watching you from right. that that first show at the north <laughs> star that doesn't even exist anymore it's so sad oh i know I, um, i'm devastated you know, every time to, I it. to today and seeing you you know yeah. like scoring music for yeah. Yeah. for all kinds of things yeah. and while we're on that yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about spike jones yeah so that was a weird thing what, man. how yeah how did that come to be and what was it? You know, speaking of magic and speaking of, you know, the optimist and, you know, that, you know, that was like, that was a wild year for me. Right. Like mm -hmm. I had that come out and within a couple of weeks it was at like 250,000 hits and we had record, you know, people coming out to watch us play. And my sister had had a child that week and, you know, I just, you know, girlfriend and I had just broken up. It was a lot was going on. It was, mm -hmm. it, it was overwhelming. It was actually very scary. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. It was actually very scary. I don't, Really, I think I was, you know, it was kind of mania. It was very up and down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, that Spike Jones thing, that that was another thing where it was just like, is anything in my life ever going to happen again where it's just like, holy shit, what's happening? This is awesome. It's crazy. And it's just scary. And it's cool all at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, is anything like that going to happen? Um, and it kind of just did way out of the blue. I was about to start teaching again last year. And I got a call from um, a friend of mine, Patrick. Uh, who's a music supervisor that kind of got me started in scoring. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm uh, through a friend, Stephen in New York um, and in my time up there in New York, which I still go up and, you know, um, you know, meet up with those kind of kinds of folks and, mm -hmm. you know, keep FaceTime and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that happened. And uh, he's like, Hey, there's this, um, there's this thing happening and we need someone to do sound for it. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, I've never really done like live sound or theater sound. I'm like, I didn't even know what he was trying to say that that was, expected of me they're like someone dropped out we need, we need you to do can you do this and i'm like well uh -huh. what is it 
He's like, it's a, it's a stage play. And I was like, all right. So when he, sorry, yeah. when he was telling you all this, did he like lead in with Spike Jones or just like, oh, he, I have something. Yeah. I well, have he, something for he, you. He dropped it at this point. He's like, it's, it's a, it's a play. It's by Spike Jones. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know if I can. Yes, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even really know what I was getting into or uh-huh. doing, but I was just like, you know what? This is one of those things. Where the opportunity comes knocking, and you just say yes, and you kind of figure it out as right. you go along. And so I said, "Yeah," and I got on the set, and oh man, it's an it's a scary energy. I mean, these are all pros. I mean, these are these are seasoned dancers. These are seasoned theater people. These are seasoned uh, directors. These are seasoned you know photo people. These are seasoned video people. This is big time. It's mm-hmm. the big show. That's the real it's deal. Not fuck around time, right? You know. <laughs> and I was very intimidated and scared by that. And what was really expected of me was to cut up the music that was already in the show, right? Existing popular music, LCD mm-hmm. sound system and stuff, and edit it so that it was to the right beats for the dancers. So basically the choreographer, um, Dina, um, mm. I believe the name was, um, and God, the other guy's name, uh, Ryan something, um, Ryan Anderson, I forget. Um, it, Ryan Heffington, um, who's done Sia's videos, who's done, you know, Kanye, the, you know, the mm-hmm. big time stuff. They're the ones kind of yelling at me because I'm, I'm not really, I wasn't really knowing what I was doing yet. So I had to learn, relearn theater lingo from high school of like, uh-huh. you know, beats and steps versus what I would call like, you know, tempo and this, that, and the other. And I had to immediately learn that language and immediately like play it at the right time, cut it at the right time, do edits on the fly and make sure it's going right to the choreography. But, wow. ve- but very quickly, I, I learned and figured out how to do it very fast mm-hmm. um, and kind of, um, you know, get in there and, um, and do it. And I started to build this, you know, kind of rapport and relationship with um, Ryan Heffington and, and Dina and um, really kind of learn about what they do. And very, very down to earth people, mm-hmm. and, but very serious. I mean, this is their life. This is the craft. They're not yeah. fucking around. Um, and of course, a relationship with Spike. And so we had meetings together every other day or every day. And he always referred to me as Ben and, you know, and asked for my input every now and again. And I had to show him some stuff. Um, like, for instance, this one scene, right? It's a club scene and it's this uh, song playing um, by Underworld. And in the song, it's a very consistent tempo. But in the scene, they wanted it to be kind of like everyone was drunk and everything was slowing down for a moment and you're lost in the haze of the night. So I had to, like, kind of have a part where it slows down like a vinyl and then filters and sounds really warbly and then all of a sudden snaps back into the beat. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of like edit this and then like, you know, give Spike the headphones and be like, is this what you're looking for? And, you know, no, no, no. Yes, this is it. Good job moving on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the week kind of went on, everybody was kind of going directly to Spike and there wasn't kind of like an order to it. And eventually they, they, they kind of had someone to talk through Spike at, at, to make sure that the line of information and the chain of command was all working effectively. But I got to work side by side with Lakeith Stanfeld uh, from Atlanta mm-hmm. and um, that new movie, Thank You for, what is it? Thank You for Watching. Thank, thank, you, for, you, thank you for Watching Sounds. Yeah, yeah some, some, something like that. Um, he's kind of you know coming into his own. And, and then one day Jonah Hill was on set. And this was 10 days back and forth where I drove back and forth to New York. Oh, wow. And that then, sucks. And then, but, but, but then one of those nights I was like, I can't go back. Like I'm going to, I just, I'll have a mental breakdown if I have to go back and come back. And so, uh, the, the, the music director, Spike's brother, um, Sam Spiegel, was like, all right, you can just stay at my house. And I, when he said that, I thought he meant like his house in New York, but he doesn't have a house in New York. He lives in LA. So, uh, 
we take an Uber there, uh, and it's it's the parents' house. <laughs> it's Mike Jones' parents' house, and I stay at a bunk bed uh, in the house. And the next morning, I come out, and there they are in their their robes, the parents, and I have them my morning coffee with them and everything. And it's just like this wild experience, and I'm like, what's you know what's happening? Wow. And as soon as it started, it was you know we we went through opening night, and and that was it. Wow. So did you actually? Controlled the music live. No, as it was my job was simply to get in there and 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 kind of like make the soundtrack for make the soundtrack for the whole show and make sure that it flows and that mm-hmm. it's smooth and that the transitions are right and set it up so that the person that's running the real cues has all this. And part of this was just um, kind of music in between to just kind of be as like a pad for for an in between and not even music, just kind of sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just experience on the fly. You know, I didn't have the resume for that, mm-hmm. but I got it done. Wow, you know, that's awesome. It, it was just, uh, it was super exhilarating and scary, and I definitely got yelled at a couple times, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I definitely kind of wanted to storm off set a few times, and I was like, I can't do that. Like, I gotta, I gotta kind of toughen it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was wild. It's not something I'm sure I'd want to make a life out of, uh-huh. but it's definitely something, uh, you know. But what an experience. But it, it was wild. It was so wild, and, and, you know, I was paid for it and all that stuff, and, um, and then that, the, the final night they had, um, a little segment with Spike on, on Jimmy Fallon and I had to edit the song on there to get the cuss words out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had to take different parts of the song and, and put it there and make it sound natural or like it was on purpose. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the audio you see on that YouTube video on Jimmy Fallon is what I put together. Oh wow. Yeah. So awesome. it was so, it was so weird. Yeah, and they're like. <laughs> They're like, Ben, we need one more edit. It's for Jimmy Fallon, you know? And I was just like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So surreal with it, that. Very surreal. And you know, that, you know, the whole time, like, you know, Spike was on the phone with Jimmy Fallon. He's like, hey, Jimmy, like, you know, we're going to run it. You know, it was just such a weird mm-hmm. air to be in, right? I hadn't been around that since maybe opening for the Lumineers at the XBN Festival years ago or right. playing with Washed Out. Some of the bigger acts I've played mm-hmm. with where it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're working with people that are in, in the big time, big time. Right, you right. Know? There was two, two years ago, I um, am a big Michael Franti fan, mm-hmm. and um, I'd photographed, it was called the Soul Shine Tour, and okay. it was put on by Mantra Magazine, and Michael was one of the, was the headliner, and it was like yoga and music, and I photographed the Philadelphia show in the Asbury Park, mm-hmm. and then a year, two years later, Michael was coming through town, I just sent, you know, the typical, can I get a photo pass, Right. and his people got back to me, and they were like, yeah, we told Michael that you wanted to come, and he was like, oh, see if he wants to come hang out all day. Right, right, And right. just document the day. Yeah, and you're like, what? And I'm like, are you messing with me? Yeah, yeah don't <laughs> screw with me. Yeah, so it was like the most, it was Father's Day. Yeah. It was super surreal, like, getting there and just, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And they were like, just walk around, hang out. Michael's on the bus, you know, once he comes in, you know, we'll get, right. you know, we'll just see what he wants. Yeah. So he came in and hit, because it was Father's Day, the, his road manager had the uh, a Father's Day card from his wife, you know, all ready for yeah. him. Yeah. So like he came out and had the road manager gave him the card and he sat down and FaceTimed his wife and I'm like off in the distance. You right. Know? So I like get this like these images of this sweet moment, and then he came over and he gave me a big hug and he was like, "Thank you so much for coming." And it was all so yeah, surreal. surreal. And I'm like, well, "What am I supposed to do?" Like, yeah, and yeah. he was like, "Just follow me around." With the camera, just yeah, yeah. you know, That's taking it. pictures. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, this is a little weird. Yeah, he like, yeah. Don't you think it's weird for me? You're the one following me yeah, around yeah, with yeah. the camera. Don't be weird about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, good point. Yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it was just like this amazing day, but it was so surreal. 
because it's like you know someone that you really yeah. admire, right? And now all of a sudden you're yeah. like you're, you're hanging out with them, hanging out yeah. your peers, and yep. it's like yeah. So it's like you never know what yeah. you definitely have that star that starstruck thing, and then and then after you're around them for a while, you just realize it's, it's like oh yeah, they're just a real they're, dude, they're real people, and it's normal, and it's really not you know it's not not a big deal, but it's 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 just like. Yeah, that people. like little nervousness goes away. Yeah, it's it goes like, away. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, right. all right. Right. This is a great experience. Right. Now I can just enjoy sure. everything that's right. happening. Uh, but yeah, when those opportunities come, it's just like, yeah, snap you got it. You got to do it because it's like I would much rather have things. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. I love the dollars, yeah. but like experiences yeah. like that are just so yeah, add so much more value. So much more value and just something you keep with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Such it's as. an interesting life. So, the City Rain Band is. We're, we're, there's practice tonight. Practice tonight. So first does one. that mean there's going to be maybe some live shows happening coming Definitely. down the road? Definitely. Um, I've had a few offers to play some shows, and I just, I, I truly want to be ready um, because it's one of those things where chemistry is so important mm-hmm. in the type of performance that I do with City Rain, where it's kind of. Uh, um, some of it's you know very scripted, and some of it's on the fly, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that even if we didn't get together for a month, that it's something where we could just go on and do it, you know, where it's kind of unconscious. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we have enough practices where it gets to that point uh, right. and we get that comfortability level because now there's even more moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's t- tonight we're just going to practice the classics uh-huh. uh, to make sure that we even have those down, like the optimist and join the human race and stuff. And then we'll move to the new stuff from mm-hmm. there and figure out how to perform that, right. you know, and what percentage of it is live instrumentation, what percentage of it is a backing track and, so on and so forth and make sure like balance like the most interesting show with the most efficient show. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I feel the need for that release in my life. Like I'm so happy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel the need for something, you know, that edge yeah. uh, again, you know, to kind of get out there and, uh, you know, create a little chaos on stage. Right. Well, yeah. We, you know, when, it, when it happens, please let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to come with my camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, done. It done and be, done. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. To come and sit, sit in my kitchen studio. It's Thanks for having me. I feel like, you know. It's a good thing know, for me today. If you know Mark Maron, the Mark Yeah, Maron Mark Maron podcast. Maron yeah, yeah. You know, he does his in his garage. Yeah. I apparently do mine in my yeah. kitchen. <laughs> I, I love it. I got to listen to a little bit. So of the other stuff and, oh, thank you so and, and it sounds you. it sounds great i love podcasts i love the um, format me too it's it's really it's it's a lot of fun yeah um and i love talking to people it's me just, too it's great therapeutic so where can everybody find you ben runyon.com b-e-n-r-u-n-y-a-n.com and uh just stay uh just check me out on spotify and apple music and i'll link them all up hit that follow smash that follow button and um yeah, you'll, you'll kind of get the new feed of whenever I release music. It's never been a better time to release music right mm-hmm. now. Right. I, I fully just, fully believe that. It's just gotten better, mm-hmm. actually. It was worse when I started. Well, yeah, because it was almost like you have to put out like a whole thing. On a MySpace and on a Facebook and on a this and on a that and your SoundCloud and your Deezer. And it's like now it's just like just put it on Apple Music and Spotify and like mm-hmm. just post some links. And, and eventually you, you'll, you'll kind of get a following because of the way the algorithms work in terms of like putting music out at people. Right, and so it's it's exciting. It's like it's never been a better time, and there's never been so much competition. But mm-hmm. but it, I think it's I think it's I think the streaming platform has turned out to be a, a positive thing. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. There's yeah. just so there's just so much good stuff out there. Yeah, it really is. 
just a matter of finding it. <laughs> yeah, and being found. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. I Thanks really again. appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to coming to that first show. Hell yeah. And capturing it sooner, all. Sooner than later. All right. Thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday.